Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. Today, I am joined by Robert Thibodeau. He is a marketing expert, a podcasting coach, and he has the biggest online Christian radio station. Robert, thank you for joining me today. Hey, man, it is a blessing to be able to do this. and I do appreciate the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you. Let's start off by telling people who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, well, uh, Robert Thibodeau, um, everybody calls me Bob, and born and raised up in Michigan, joined the military straight out of high school, uh, did nine years enlisted, became a commissioned officer in the cavalry. Uh, when I got out of the military after 12 years, I uh, was an entrepreneur for a little bit, had my own insurance agency, and, and we did well with that. And then I kind of missed the camaraderie a little bit, you know, and became a police officer. Uh, I was injured on a job in 2007, and we had, I guess, 30 plus surgeries uh, to, you know, between then and now, and, and they're still ongoing. But, uh, you know, I'm not in a wheelchair or anything like that. I just couldn't chase bad guys anymore. So, uh, when recovering from one of those surgeries, uh, I was asking the Lord, you know, what is it you want me to do? And it was just so clear. I said, begin a weekly 30-minute online radio program. Now, I had no idea what that was. Uh, you know, I had to have help checking email, okay? I'm not technically inclined. But, uh, you know, we obeyed, and uh, just I just I couldn't do anything else except sit at the computer, and I self-taught myself, you know, what to do by YouTube and things like that, and, and about four, five, six months into that, I had an offer to go on nationwide AM radio. Uh, I got contacted by an AM radio conglomerate and they said, we heard your podcast. That was the first time I ever heard it called a podcast. And uh, they said, we think you'd be a good fit for our radio station or for our radio audience. Would you like to be on nationwide AM radio? And I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, sure. And a little catch was I had to pay for it. You know, I'm learning these details as I go. And, uh, you know, we negotiated, I was on four major markets for a year, and I learned a lot about uh, Christian radio at, at that point in time. And about halfway through that, the retirement paperwork came through, and at the end of the contract, Lord says, I want you to start your own online Christian radio station. And that's what is now Evangelism Radio. And uh, we flipped the switch actually October 4th, 2010, so we're coming up on our 10th anniversary. And as you said, we've been rated number one in the world by shoutcast.com on many occasions in the Christian talk niche. Uh, we have listeners in over 160 nations, all 50 states. We've got 52, 53 different broadcasters uh, that are on our radio station right now, some very well-known national broadcasts. Uh, we tend to specialize in helping the local pastors, uh, not just locally here to the Baltimore area where I live now, but you know, nationwide, the small church pastors uh, to be able to use online radio to get their messages out to the world. And uh, from that, the podcast started, which uh, 
I have my own podcast called the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Uh, it's doing well, and I interview authors, musicians, pastors, ministry leaders, nonprofit leaders, business owners uh, that you know have a have a opportunity to get their word out, tell their story to the world as well. And uh, that's a quick synopsis of where I'm at and and what I do. What would you recommend a person to do if they wanted to start a successful online Christian radio station or if they wanted to set up their first podcast? Well, if you stop and think about it, a podcast is simply your own personal radio program. That's, that's really all it is, an audio program. Uh, you know, they have some videos now that they're called podcasts, but the technical term for a podcast is simply an audio file, uh, your own audio program, your own radio program. So personalize, make it unique to you. And if you want to start your own podcast, there's so many ways of doing it. Uh, you got Anchor, which you can do it right on your phone. You got uh, you know, several different programs out there, many different platforms that will help you not just reach, you know, back up your audio file, your podcast, needs to have a host, a place to store it at where people from all over the world can access it. And now, it used to be back five, six years ago that, you know, your host was there and it was up to you to promote it across the, the web. Now, many of the hosts include uh, what's called Podchaser platforms, which are accessible across the entire planet. Uh, Spotify, and, and I mean, there, there's just so many different ones, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, naturally. And by using one of these platforms that have those multiple channels of distribution, you can actually just focus on recording your program, uploading it to your host, and signing up to allow them to distribute it worldwide for you, and they, they'll help you get the word out. And you can actually turn that into your own radio station. Now, your radio station, depending on what it is you want to do, uh, most, when we started Evangelism Radio, we were the first one in the world to actually operate a regular talk radio, Christian radio station online. Everybody else at the time was doing music. Uh, they, were, you know, they may have had some audio programs on there, different pastors submitting sermons and stuff, but it was more or less, you know, you went to their website and you picked which one you wanted to listen to. Uh, we operate just like a traditional radio station. If you went down to your radio station, your local radio station, and said, I, I want to be on the radio, they'll say, okay, how long is your program? Half an hour, all right? We have available this time slot, you know, Tuesday at 7 p.m. or Thursday at 5 p.m. or do you want to have the same time slot every day, you know, every you know, five days a week and we can do it at 5.30 in the morning and that'd be your time slot. If uh, your brother or sister or auntie wanted to listen to you on the radio and they tuned in at 6 but your program's on at 5.30, they're not going to hear you because that wasn't your time slot. Uh, you, you have a specific day and time. That's how we operate evangelism radio. It operates just like a traditional radio station. You have your own specific timeline. We're the first ones to ever do that. Uh, there are several more now that do the same thing. But if you want to have your own radio station, are you going to be music? Are you going to be uh, 
you know, audio file, preaching files, talk files? Uh, are you going to be hosting the podcasts and just having that as an access point? So there's so many different ways you could go about it. You have to decide upon what the Lord's leading you to do and then follow that path. Did that, that answer your question? It sure did. Now, let's say a person has a lot of content or they're just starting out their podcast. You know, some guests won't come on your podcast unless you have so many episodes posted. Now, do you recommend a person just post all of their content at once or if they're trying to gain content or collect content so they don't run out, just post it weekly? What would you recommend? Well, the let's go to the basics. Uh, if you're just starting out, naturally you don't have hundreds of episodes, but you're not going to get hundreds of episodes unless you post the first one and the second one and the third one and the fourth one, and you have to start building that content. Uh, when in my training programs that, that I help podcasters start, that's one of the first questions I ask, you know, first, who is your audience? Who is it you're trying to reach? And, you know, a lot of new podcasters will make the comment of, I want to reach everybody. Well, then you're going to talk to nobody. You have to be specific. You have to know who it is you're trying to reach. Well, I want to reach all the Christians. Okay. Uh, are you talking about second and third grade Christians? Are you talking about middle school Christians, high school Christians, college age Christians, middle age Christians, single parent Christians, grandparent Christians? Who in the Christian niche are you trying to reach? Uh, are you trying to reach the Christians who are struggling financially? Are you trying to reach the Christians who've gone through a divorce? Are you trying to reach the Christians who, you know, so you, could, you need to narrow this down. And by narrowing down who it is you're specifically trying to reach you know like our our demographics uh depending on what it is we're trying to do uh let's say i'm trying to let's say our our market is the pastors uh trying to get them to record their sermons and put them on the radio station so that means our demographic would be like uh, male and female age 30 to 60 because that's your normal age of your pastors the age group of the pastors uh, definitely Christian in nature, right? And uh, not too technically inclined. That's why they have people or they're not doing it at all. Uh, if they have people who are technically inclined, they're probably recording their sermons and they may be hosting them on their own website. So they have that little audio team set up. Or if they're a smaller church, they're not doing it at all because the pastor doesn't know how to do it, right? So that's our demographic. And that's who we target our marketing and, and all of our support efforts to. Now, once you identify who it is you're going to help, what is it you want to help them with? Like I said, is it, you know, uh, financial counseling? Is, and you're going to have, if you're doing interviews, are you going to do it yourself? Are you just going to be a monologue type of podcast? If you're doing interviews, what kind of experts are you going to bring on? Because you can have, you don't have to know everything about what it is you're trying to share. But you bring the experts on to share that information with your audience. That does two things. One, it gives the audience the information they need, but it boosts your credibility factor and your authority factor because you're bringing the experts on to interview. Wow, he knows so-and-so. And that 
helps build the authority of your podcast and it grows your audience. And by doing interviews, as your experts share that information with their audience, hey, I was just on this podcast, this great interview, listen to this. And let's say that person has a thousand followers. Not all thousand are gonna to listen to the interview, but let's say a hundred listen to the interview. And out of the 110, subscribe to your podcast. Well, now you've got 10 more listeners coming to your podcast. You, your episode, your download episodes jump by the 100 that did listen. And out of that 10 subscribe, so now every time you publish a new episode, those are automatic downloads. And if you have a training program or a book or something like that, that you're offering as well as your podcast, let's say out of those 10, one more buys. Well, now you just increased some income for your podcast and, and your bottom line. But it all started by doing the interview with the expert. So interviews are a great way to go when you're just starting out uh, because you don't have to know everything. You just got to know the questions to ask. And the questions to ask are based upon your target audience, what it is they're looking for. That's why it's so important to know who it is you're trying to reach with your podcast. And then uh, the next step in, you know, if you're going to just start a podcast, you have your target audience, you know your demographics, you know how you're going to do it, the interviewer monologue or teaching concept. But how much time do you have to dedicate each week to the podcast? Many people just start out, they have full-time jobs, they have kids at home, they got to, you know, run them around to ball games and help with homework and all that. I do not recommend a publication frequency just starting out more than once a week. And here's why. Let's say your audience starts to really enjoy your podcast and you're starting to get these subscribers. And let's say your podcast is 40 minutes. We'll just say it's 40 minutes long. Statistics say most people listen to the podcast, listen to podcasts on their way to work and on the way home, at lunch, or while working out. All of those typically are about 30 to 45 minutes in length. The average commute time is 45 minutes. The average workout session at a gym, I'm talking about not your time at the gym, but actually on the machines or whatever it is you're doing is 35 to 45 minutes and then you shower time and then leave. Uh, Lunch time, you typically have an hour. So that 45 minute time frame fits right in there. So if you have your podcast at 40, 45 minutes, you start getting a following and they know every Wednesday, at three o'clock or at 7 a.m., whatever the time is, this podcast being released. They get used to that schedule. And it's easier to say, hey, folks, you know, I'm doing so many interviews and, and we're, you know, and this happened to me. I was doing a weekly podcast. And as this thing caught on fire, I was actually doing, I'll just use an example, I do an interview in January and have to tell them it's not being published till May, right? That's not good, especially if you're doing an author who's doing a book launch. So I said, well, let me go to twice a week. And twice a week barely did anything at all to the, the backlog. I went to three times a week. That helped out. But the interviews stepped piling up. I ended up doing a daily podcast. I went to five days a week, and that got it down to about a two to three week time frame. Uh, it's easier to add to your frequency 
you tell them, hey, you know, we're, we're moving from just once a week to three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then, hey, we're going from three days a week to five days a week. That is easier for your audience to accept that than to start off and say, I'm going to do three days a week right off the bat. Boom. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're doing it. And then you find out, well, you know, my interview, I'm not doing as many interviews as I thought, or I got sick, or we're going on vacation, or, you know, whatever the reason, and we missed this one, so I only did two this week, and I still haven't caught up on work, because I just got back from vacation, so I'm not going to be able to do it this week, so now, and those people who are at the gym expecting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that's their workout schedule, and they're listening to your podcast, and they go to hit it on their phone, wait a minute, I heard that one already, there's no new ones on here. Well, I'm going to find somebody else and boom, they start listening to them and not you and you lose listeners that way. So I recommend starting slow once a week, adding to it as your experience grows. And the reason is you are learning as you're going. Remember, we're just, you're just starting off. So you're learning all about the editing and the recording and the loading to the hosting and the sharing on social media and how to distribute it and all that. So it takes a lot more time in the beginning. Once you get 25, 50 episodes under your belt, you can do what used to take you half a day in like 45 minutes to an hour. Now you have the ability to, well, let's up it. Let's go to twice a week, three times a week, five days a week. And like I said, your audience will, it's easier for them to accept a more frequent publication schedule than it is to start with a frequent publication schedule and then cut back because of time commitments and things like that. So that, that's what I recommend for people just starting out. Identify who the audience is, identify how, what method you're gonna do, monologue, teaching, interviews, and then identify what you feel comfortable your time commitment will be, and then commit to a publication schedule you know absolutely 100% you can keep. And that's why I recommend starting off once a week maybe twice a week and then build from there. What would you recommend and what advice would you give a person to be able to increase their interviews and to get interviews? Cause as I said before, um, some guests are not going to come on your podcast if you don't have a lot of episodes posted. But um, so how do you get those interviews and get people to come on? I have a couple different methods that have done well uh, for me over the past three and a half years I've been doing the podcast. Uh, one, there's several different directories out there. Uh, interview guest directory, radio guest directory, podcast guest directory. And it, it's a subscription to each one. It might be $6.50, $7 a month, something like that. I have four or five of them. I think I spent a total of $25 a month. But that has kept my schedule full for the last three and a half years. In addition, uh, LinkedIn is a great, great resource. A lot of people like Facebook and Facebook groups and all that. And that's okay. Uh, I, I have some people I've, I've gotten, I'd say 10 or 15% of my interviews come from Facebook. Uh, a good 25% come from LinkedIn. LinkedIn is professionals. You can go to LinkedIn and type in the search bar, you know, whatever your niche is, whether it's a swim coaching or automobile repair, whatever, there's going to be professionals on there. 
and you can reach out to these professionals and say, Hey, I have a podcast and you know, you just don't blast them out first contact. You know, uh, I want to follow, I want you to follow me. I'll follow you on LinkedIn because I have a podcast and I want you on it. No, 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 no. You have to groom that relationship first. Okay. Uh, some will accept it, will accept your request uh, as far as being on the podcast, but many are just looking at growing their networking connections on LinkedIn. So just find some people that sound interesting that you might want to have on your podcast, connect with them on LinkedIn, and then view their posts, just comment on it. You know, oh, great information or something like that. They start seeing your name. Some of them will then click your LinkedIn profile and find out you have a podcast. And oh, cool, you know, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast. Now they're coming to you, right? Uh, you can also, once you've had that connection for a couple weeks and you're commenting on things and, and you know, not pitching them, but then you just reach out, you know, I, I've been following you for a month now and you got some great content. I'd love to have you on my podcast. Would you agree to come on my podcast for me? A good majority of them will say, yeah, sure. No problem. I'd love to. And there you go. Now you that's, so you have some on Facebook with, with Facebook. It takes a lot more uh, effort on your part because in some of these groups, there's so many people commenting. It's hard to be noticed. And if you start, you know, Hey, would you like to be on podcast? Hey, 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 a lot of times the group administrators will block you. So you don't want to get caught up in doing too much of that on Facebook. Uh, what I do in Facebook groups, I find a question I know the answer to, you know, someone, how did I do this? Or what kind of microphone do I use or whatever? I'll answer the question. And that starts getting your name known a little bit, not pitching anything. And some people click on your profile to see who you are and, and what you have to offer, but you're just providing value. You provide value everywhere you go. Just answer the questions and pretty soon they start recognizing your name. And then every now and then the group administrator may say something along the lines of, you know, if you have a product you want to sell, post it today, you know, Friday's posting day or something like that. So I'll put down, you know, I have a podcast, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'd love to have some of, some of you on the podcast. If you're interested, let me know. That's it. I haven't provided any links. I've just said, you know, this is the podcast. This is the target audience I have. And if you're interested, let me know. Now, if they tell you in the group administrator, go ahead and post your links, then I'll post a link to the podcast, you know, the podcast website, kcrpodcast.com. But that's it. And Usually when that happens, because I've already been in the group, I've provided value, answered questions, and then out of the blue, the administrator like, here, you know, if you got a product you want to, you know, share with people, let us know, you know, you can post it today. No problems. That's where I put about the podcast, looking for people to interview. And I just did that at the time of this recording, four or five days ago, and I had six people from the group already sign up for interviews. You know, so that's, that's how you can use that. So Facebook uh, for me personally is about 15%. LinkedIn is about 25%. And then the rest come from podcast directories and, and those, uh, those uh, like newsletter type of, of uh, agencies that are looking for guests. 
So once you get the interviews, how do you recommend people uh, conduct a, a successful interview? What advice would you give them on making the interviews successful? Again, depends on what type of podcast you're doing. If you're doing interviews for where the guest is sharing their story or interviews where you have a story and you're trying to get the guest to, to give their advice on that thing, if you are going to, I'll just use an example. You're going to do a book interview. For, an author is launching a book. Okay, you want to know about the book. Uh, you want to know the author's background. You want to have their information they're wanting to get out about the book. But that's not all. They're going to give you, uh, when you're, you're going to do this book interview for this author, he's going to give you usually a PDF copy of the book. Uh, if not, ask for it. He's going to give you, he or she is going to give you their main topic, the, the quick synopsis of the book. Uh, you're going to have to at least scan through the book to get a better understanding of it. So that's going to take you some time. Uh, they're going to give you their standard three to five, maybe seven questions they want asked. Okay, that's standard. But remember, they're doing these interviews as part of their book launch through their publicist. They may have in a three-week period, they may have 75 to 100 of these interviews. And some people will just take the information they provide and go straight down the list of questions. Okay, uh, this, this, and, and it, if you compare interview one with interview 25 with interview 50, it's the same information, the same questions in the same order, right? All they're looking for is you to share it with your audience so maybe they can get some more book sales. That's, that's all, that's the purpose in it. What I do, it take, and this is what I recommend for my training classes to do as well. I take the book and scan through. If it's short, and I'm saying short, 100, 120 pages, I'll probably read the entire thing. Uh, I'm a quick reader. I can scan through a 120-page book in probably hour, hour and a half, uh, just because I'm not really reading it to study. I'm just kind of looking for something that jumps out at me and then read that. Uh, going through the table of contents will give you an idea of, you know, what part you want to look at. Uh, I get their website address. Then I got their name, so I'll go to LinkedIn, and I'll dig out their background through LinkedIn, through Facebook, through Google. Uh, <laughs> I've actually found some websites that they used to have. They still got them, but they're not active on them anymore. And the about pages on the websites are awesome. That's where you get some good background information on people. And I, one just pops to my mind. Uh, she wanted me to interview her about her book, had her website, had her book, and, and the, the five questions that she wanted me to ask. And as I go through the book, I'll also pull out some questions on my own. As I go through her background, I'll pull out some questions on her background. And I went to the website and I Googled her name and I found she used to have this blog site. I went there, had some more stuff 
you know, questions that I could ask that she brought out in the blog site that hadn't been active in like three years. And on the blog site in her about page, one of the comments was that she lived on a farm with her husband, two kids and five crazy ducks. So I put that down in my questions that I wanted to ask. And as we're going through the interview, I'm asking questions that wasn't on her list of questions. I'm, I'm getting them from the book. I'm getting them from her background, her about sections and stuff. And as we're getting ready to wrap up, I said, I got one more question that I just, I just got to ask you. Tell me about the farm with the five crazy ducks. And she busted out laughing. She laughed for probably 30 seconds. And she said, how did you find out about that? Oh my God, I've never been asked that question before. I've done hundreds of these interviews. You really do your research. I'm telling you. And she just, she just thought that was great. She shared, remember now, through this publicist, they might be doing a hundred of these interviews and they're all canned, basically. She shared my interview and I had like 200 downloads just from that one interview because mine stood out from all the others that she did and she shared mine with her personal social media audience. So by doing that research, it takes me, if I'm doing a 45 minute interview, it takes me a good hour and a half to prepare for a 45 minute interview, okay? That's scanning the book, writing down questions, doing the background research on who it is I'm gonna talk to. So, you know, if I'm doing five interviews a week and each interview is 45 minutes, that's another hour and a half times five, right? So that's what, eight hours right in that area uh, of research. Then the five interviews is another we'll just say four or five hours. So there's 13 or 14 hours just dedicated to those five interviews, okay? Then you got the editing process, the loading process and all that. So, you know, when you start doing five interviews a week, it can easily go up to 25, 30 hours. You're gonna commit to this because while you're doing your editing processes on those interviews, you're still preparing for next week's interviews and conducting this week's interviews. So it's an ongoing process. You could easily end up spending 25, 30 hours a week on a daily uh, podcast. But uh, that's how I prepare for an interview. Now, some people, like I said, they just uh, take the information that they were given and they say, yep, good enough. You know, this would be good for a half hour or so. And you need to make your interview stand out because like I said, this person is doing so many of these interviews and they're counting on you sharing it with your audience so they get whatever objective it is they're looking for. But if you can stand out as a great interviewer, asking good pertinent questions that nobody else is asking, that's what will make you stand out. And they'll come back to you again next time they wanna do an interview. I've had several experts, you know, Michael Brown, David Barton, uh, uh, my brain's going blank here, but you know, several major ministry, uh, well-known minister, TV and radio and podcast uh, ministries reach out to me several times to do interviews uh, after that initial interview because they liked the way that I, I conducted it. So you can become known in that realm if you do a good job, but it all starts with that background research. That, that's I can't emphasize that enough. You, you, 
have to spend at least as much time as your podcast is long just in the research. Let's say that a person was looking for speaking engagements at a church events. What do you recommend them do and what is the best way to reach out to churches to try to get those speaking engagements? This may sound as a shock to a lot. I say don't and here's why. The pastor has 52 opportunities a week or a year to stand in front of every member of his church and share the gospel. Now, out of those 52 opportunities, out of 365 days, 52 opportunities, and you say, hey, I'd like to come preach to your church. Why would he allow you to take one of his precious 52 opportunities a year when he doesn't know how you'll deliver it, what you're going to talk about, how you'll be received. Uh, he doesn't know if he can really trust you or not. Why would he? And then on top of all those questions, he's getting bombarded several times a week by other people, not just you, but other people who are asking to come preach to his church. And that's why when you out of the blue are trying to ask pastors, hey, can I come preach at your church? You get turned down 99% of the time because they're getting hit all the I, I was a pat, I was a senior pastor for about two years. Uh, I was assistant pastor for probably seven, eight years in, in two, three different churches. Uh, and, and as an assistant pastor, I was able to step in when the pastor was out. But as senior pastor, I got hit, you know, constantly. Can I preach at your church? Can I preach at your church? Can I preach at your church? Now, the only people I allowed to come in and speak were people I already knew, and they were going to come to town, or that I invited in for a specific reason, a specific event. And if you notice, that's usually who speaks at the churches, is people that the pastor knows. They, you know, he's worked with in the past, or, you know, they're Bible school buddies or something like that and he's in town for an event. And that's the reason why. So what I do and what I recommend, don't ask to come preach to the church. If you have a specific topic that you're gonna talk about, let's say uh, alcoholism or uh, suicide prevention or whatever the case may be, and that's your area of expertise that you can speak on. And you can send out an invitation to various pastors saying, you know, suicide prevention month is coming up. And if you would like to have me come speak to your woman's Bible study, your men's Bible study, a retreat, those are good things to ask to speak at. Uh, and the reason is, what's a retreat all about? It's where the pastor and the leadership team get away, right? They get away, it's a break. So the pastor doesn't want to be responsible for coming up with the curriculum that's going to be taught at the retreat. I mean, he's been doing this. Oh, that's the whole, he wants to take a break, right? But at the same time, he wants to have a spiritual time with his leadership team. 
and he wants he doesn't want to have to worry about okay uh, from 9 to 10 30 we're going to talk about this and from 11 o'clock to 12 30 we're going to talk about this then we're going to have lunch and we, you know, he doesn't want to have any of that responsibility because he's there for the rest and, and take a break himself if you can become an expert at the retreat you know you, you know, leadership team building you know I, that's what i you know because of my military background and police leadership uh, background you know i can speak on team building what's the pastor there for at the retreat he's got his leadership team he wants to coalesce together make the team stronger so you can speak on team building and speak on it from a spiritual aspect when you start approaching these pastors hey you know i can come and speak at your retreat uh, you know, I can do two days, you know, two sessions a day, and we'll just, you may be taken up on that. Now, now that you got your foot in the door, they get to hear you, they get to know you because they're spending time with you at the retreat. Now, there's the opportunity to, hey, pastor, you know, you got the suicide prevention month coming up, or you got, you know, whatever, can I come speak to your men's group? Can I come speak to your woman's group? You're coming back in. You're an expert coming in for a men's Bible study. One night only. It might be 25. It doesn't matter. You're there. You're providing value. Now, the opportunities exist if they're having a revival. And, hey, Brother Bob, can you come speak at the revival? I'd be blessed to. Absolutely. Okay? But you're doing these things from the ground floor. You're just not... Can I come speak? Can I come speak? You, you've got to get in the mindset of the pastor. He doesn't want to give up his slots. He only has so many times, so many Sundays a year that he can, can speak to the entire congregation. So it has to be something really important for him to give up one of those times. But if you can help him out, like I said, with a retreat, speaking at a Bible study, a men's group, woman's group, whatever the case may be, they'll take you up on that. But remember, that's probably going to be a free event. The retreat, they'll probably cover your expenses, but you're not going to get, you know, two, three thousand dollars or whatever it is to come speak at a retreat until you build up to that level. Just starting off and you're just trying to get your foot in the door, just say, hey, cover my travel and, and the lodging and, and stuff at the retreat, you know, at the campground or wherever it is, and, uh, you know, I'll do it and they'll take you up on it. What advice would you give people looking to develop a successful leadership team, business, or ministry? With to develop a good leadership team, it takes you to have the ability to put trust in the other people. You have to give them the task, give them the authority and the responsibility to complete the task. That doesn't mean you can't check on it. That doesn't mean you can't uh, give advice, but you have to hold them responsible for it. I'll just take an example of putting together a revival. Okay, well, you have music and you have preaching, you have other guests, you have uh, the offerings and the advertising. So there's five areas right there. Typically, the pastor wants to be in control of all of it. You know, that's just the, you know, the nature of the pastor, right? To build a great team, 
and say, okay, sound guy, come here. We're going to expect more people at this. We got to have the speakers. You know, we're going to have the music. I want it recorded. How are we going to do it? Go figure it out. Come back and tell me. You tell, you put it on him. You know, the, the revival is in six weeks. Come back next week to our meeting and tell me how you're going to handle all these things. Then you got the, the promotions. Okay. Uh, I need you to take care of the advertising. We got social media advertising. We got Facebook ads. Uh, I want to put something in the local newspaper. Uh, should we, can we afford radio advertising? You know, go figure it out how much it's going to cost, how we're going to do it next week. Come back and tell me, you know, the, uh, assistant pastor, I need you to handle all the lodging and travel arrangements for the guest speakers. Uh, other assistant pastor, I need you to be more or less the stage handler here. You got to tell, you know, okay, we got three days and we got, you know, three speakers each night and, you know, how's this going to work? And you turn that over to them. You turn it over to them, but they're coming back to you at a designated time to tell you where their progress has gone to. If there's a problem, and, and I like using this as an example. Let's say we're talking about business and uh, your accountant has retired. So you have this new accountant in here. Now they've helped out, but now they're, they're in charge. They're, they're doing this. And they say, well, you know, I haven't been able to find the, uh, the budget from, you know, how much taxes we have to owe or whatever the case may be. You know, if you call Jack down at accounting, that uh, you know this is the information you're going to have. You know, he'll be able to provide it to you. But you can't do that. You can't say, "Well, okay, you need to call Jack, tell him I sent you, do this, and find out, and come back and tell me," because they're not going to learn anything. What they're learning is take you their problems. Okay, you need them to figure out the problem. So you have to lead them in identifying, okay, so you need this information. Where are we going to get this from? Who would have the information that, that you're looking for? Well, what kind of information? Well, it's financials. Okay, so finance, what department handles all the financials? Accounting. Okay, well, why don't you check with accounting and see what you can find out? They go and they say, well, they said that it's in the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was, well, who did you talk to? Oh, I don't know. Well, you got, you have to find out, you know, don't accept they said, don't accept I was told, you know what names, you know, well, who did you talk to? Well, I talked to Sherry. Who's Sherry? Well, she's a secretary. Well, who she worked for? She's a secretary. Who she work for? Well, she works for Jack so-and-so. He's in charge of a kind of, if she doesn't know, maybe Jack knows. What do you think? Yeah. You already knew he's supposed to go call Jack. But you didn't want, you want them to develop that. And then they go, oh, I talked to Jack. He gave me all the, I got everything I need now. Oh, great. Now, what did they learn? Next time they have a question in that area, they're just going to call Jack. They're not going to dig through their files. They're not going to call the secretary. They're going to call Jack. And that's what you wanted them to do to begin with. But that's how you develop that leadership team. You give them the task. You may know how to do it. And you've, you've heard the story before, you know, the old adage that if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. That's not how you develop a leadership team. You want something done right, you know how to do it, but the objective of building the team is so that they learn how to do it right. 
and then you can turn it loose and they have it from that point on. But if you tell them what to do, the only thing they learn is take you their problem because you're going to solve it and you don't want to fall into that trap. So uh, with the church team, it's the same thing. Give them something to do. Business, same way. Give them the task, hold them responsible for it, but keep tabs on the progress. If they run into a problem, tell them, bring, you know, tell me what the problem is and we'll figure it out together. You're not going to give them the answer. You're just giving them the thought processes that they need to go through to come up with the correct answer. What tips would you have for people looking at, to set up a training program as well as market whatever niche they're in? The training program, again, goes back just like the podcast. Who's your target audience? What is it you're trying to do? Uh, you know, like with our podcast training program, my target market is those who are just starting a podcast. Uh, those who already have a podcast, I can help them get better. But the training program itself takes them from what I call concept through launch and then into monetization. So the concept, just like we started, who's your target market? You know, identify that. Can you niche it down any farther? Well, Christian market. Okay, what kind of? We went through all those different avenues of Christian markets. Uh, you know, and then okay, well, I want to help single moms. Uh, take care of their children who are stuck at home because of the virus stuff. And that's who I want to help. Okay. That's a very specific niche. Now, how are you going to reach them? How are you going to let them know that they're there? So when you're putting together a training program, it's up to you to get as specific as possible. You know, I want to teach math. Well, that's great. Uh, kindergarten math, college algebra math, uh, quantum physics, math, you know, <laughs> math is big. You need to narrow this down a little bit. You know, what is it you want to teach and then specialize just in that. Don't be, you know, I want to be a math teacher and I'll start off at kindergarten, but I want to ultimately teach quantum physics theory, string theory and all this stuff. If you're going to teach quantum theory, quantum physics, string theory, you don't need to specialize in first grade math. But if you want to teach first graders the concepts that they need in math so they can go ahead and learn quantum physics and string theory, you need to specialize in that basic math or you need to specialize in, in ninth grade algebra, you know, type thing and be the expert just in that area. You know, that's, that's the important thing. You need to be the expert at whatever it is you do. That doesn't mean you have to know all things. To be an expert, you really only need to know one step above the person behind you because they're looking up to you as the expert. And when I started our podcast training program, I didn't know everything I know today. I knew how our training program started. I'd be doing interviews and someone would say, well, I was thinking about starting a podcast. How, what do I got to do to get started? And I'd give them guidance and you know, there, but after about a year of doing that, there's like 20 people I'd helped and they're all asking me the same 10 questions, almost every one of them. So that, you know, my, it took me a little while, but my lightning fast mind finally grasped the idea, like maybe I could just make a training program and help people out with the training program. And that's what we're doing now. So the, identify exactly what it is you want to teach and then specialize just in that. There is nothing wrong if someone says, uh, you know, okay, you taught me how to do this, 
but I want to take it to the next level and do video podcasting. Okay, you want to do video podcast? This is who I refer you to. And you refer them to another expert. There is nothing wrong with that because it shows that you stay in your ballpark. And if someone wants to go to another ballpark, you point them in the right direction. And that shows that, you know, you're not, there's no pride involved because you've helped them as much as you can with what you do. If you want, you know, I'm not going to go and say, well, okay, I'll, I'll teach you all about video podcasting. And then you got to go on YouTube and figure out how to do it yourself. You're not the expert in this. Okay. So that, that's how all that works. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you would like to cover? Hey, you covered great, great questions. You, 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 you did a really good job. Uh, no, man, you, you covered it. You, you went the full gamut. That was great. Well, I appreciate that, especially coming from you. Why don't you give out some contact information, you know, websites, social media for people who might be looking to listen to your podcast, listen to your radio show, as well as take part in your podcast training. Talk about that, how much it might cost and what that, that entails. All right. Well, uh, the podcast training, uh, podcast-training.com. Uh, you can go on that site and there, the programs, the, the services, is a services tab in the menu, talks about the, the different values. The group coaching program has become our most popular, but if you just click on that link, it's going to cost $497 for the year for the group coaching program. Because you, you ask such great questions, I'm going to put together a special package just for your listeners. Uh, so th this will be the, the link. It'll be podcast-training.com forward slash Curtis. All right. And when they type that in there, there will be a special discounted offer uh, that's just, just for your group. It's like $197. It's better than half off because – you asked such great questions, man. I got a, I had a great time here, and I just want to be a blessing to to you guys. You know, by the time this goes live, that link will be live, and I'll put that together for you. Uh, it's just for your audience. Well, I sure appreciate you doing that for me, and I want to thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. Hey, Amen. It was a pleasure, man. I, I enjoyed myself. You asked great questions. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.